Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Specsavers PAC Audiology podcast. Joining me for a virtual cup of tea today, I've got Laura Booth from UCAS. Um, so Laura's going to give us a bit of an insight into the job role that she does, who she works for, um, and then uh, what she'll be presenting for us at conference this year. So over to you, Laura. How are you, firstly? Very well, thank you very much. Coping in this current climate. So thank you for asking. I hope everyone else is too. Um, so it's lovely to be invited to do this and, and thank you. I hope that uh, it will be useful for a lot of businesses moving forward. So my name is Laura Booth. I have a background within audiology. I've uh, worked for 12 to 15 years in the NHS, predominantly back in Reading at Royal Berkshire Hospital. A uh, wide range of skill set within audiology. So I've worked within the paediatric area predominantly, but have worked um, with adults in audiology practice and tinnitus care. Um, I moved to UCAS, which is the United Kingdom Accreditation Service, for those who need the acronym explaining. Uh, moved there in 2014. Um, one of the reasons why I decided to move to UCAS, um, where we look at performing conformity assessment accreditation assessments, is because I've worked quite a lot with uh, Department of Health in assessing services with the neonatal hearing screening uh, when they did the consultancy quite a while ago. And it highlighted to me the disparity in care that's provided across uh, the UK and just how different services patients may be experiencing. Um, and that's not due to uh, anything in particular. Maybe it's training, maybe it's support mechanisms. But the job role that I have now, um, I'm a senior assessment manager and I manage a team of assessment managers within UCAS. And we perform conformity assessments to the IQIP standard. Again, another acronym, which is uh, Improving Quality and Physiology Services. And this covers audiology and seven other disciplines. But basically, we look at assessing services who wish to gain UCAS accreditation against the IQIP standard. And this allows services to demonstrate their confidence in what they deliver. And so what I'm hoping to get across to you guys within my presentation, not so much around trying to encourage you, although I would like to encourage you to uh -huh. look to accreditation, but more around the benefits of quality management in healthcare. So why is it important that you as a business have good quality management systems in place? Um, how do you know that what you're doing is effective for your patients? What is it that you have with regards evidence to assure you're consistent across all your delivery locations? And so I really want to try and be able to give an idea of uh, what a good quality management system is and how you can best look at moving forward with developing one if you're not fully engaged with that. Uh, to provide confidence not only to yourself and to your staff, but predominantly, obviously, for those patients that are looking at using your service and the stakeholders that are involved in that. Um, and hopefully giving you the competitive edge in the market. 
Um, certainly some of the services that we have accredited and assessed in the past, and some of them being Specsavers customers, have commented that through accreditation and through quality management improvement, their systems are much more robust. They've managed to gain the competitive advantage. They've increased them their customer base. They're making financial savings. Uh, and therefore, obviously, that's a huge benefit when you're looking at being finance driven. So my overall aim really is to uh, give everybody a good idea of what quality management is and give some tips really on how to move forward with that, regardless of whether you decide to engage in accreditation or not. That's fantastic, that is. So obviously your background is is audiology, so it's not like this is, you know, coming into to some of the stores and dealing with some of the, the clinics that we do. It's not like this is a new field for you. You've, you from what you've said, you've been in that that profession for quite some time. Um, before I go any further, thank you for um, thank you for highlighting what those acronyms mean. I remember when I was a clinician in a department, one of the the Christmas quiz questions was, "What does IQIP stand for?" Coincidentally, <laughs> we were going through IQIPs at the time, um, and I'll never forget that I now know exactly what IQIPs stand for. But I know that there'll be people listening out there that where it will be new. So thank you for thank you for explaining that. That's okay. Um, and your talk definitely sounds very interesting, particularly not just for those stores that are going through accreditation, but for those stores that are that maybe aren't looking to go through accreditation at the minute or where it's not at the forefront of their mind um, just because it's a it's a part so the quality management system is a part of the whole IQIPS process um, or the whole accreditation process so I definitely think that there'll be a range of clinicians or a range of stores or um, delegates whether you're internal or external that will be able to take something from the talk um, that they'll then be able to implement back into their clinic room the next day or the following week. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And I think um, a lot of the difficulties we have and a lot of the assessments that I've been on um, have shown that we don't know what we don't know. And yeah. I think that's one of the real biggest things that as a manager, as a director of uh, one of your businesses um, and as management and staff, can you hand on heart say that you know that your processes are clearly documented, staff are following them as you think they are? Um, and do you know that what you're doing and delivering is effective? And I think what's important, especially for us as clinicians, it's that patient uh, experience and making sure they're getting what you want to deliver to them. And I think we can all say that we want to be patient focused and providing patient centred care. Uh, but actually, truly, do we have the evidence there to show that and demonstrate that? And I hope, again, through that sort of centralised control of your systems and through gaining patient feedback into your service and using that to help develop service and innovate practice, uh, then that can be something that really adds value and quality to what you're delivering. And again, there's the important thing, especially within private and NHS practice of uh, litigation. If you get taken yeah. to court for anything, um, again, if it's not written down, it never happened. And yes. one of these controls and, and around having a good quality management system is having your systems in place that are clearly documented and the evidence to prove that staff have been trained to those, yeah. that they've actually complied to that and that the outcome was what should have been predicted so that you know if something does happen and you end up in court over some particular issue you can clearly show you have the evidence there to say well staff have been trained they followed this yeah. practice you know this is the reason that this has happened and therefore you've got every confidence in what you're delivering and that's you know at the end of the day that's hugely important to you as businesses. 
Yeah, and I think that's such a that's such a key thing you said about the whole if it's not written down, it didn't happen. I remember when I was a student and um, I was in the my placement department and I think my, my trainer at the time said to me, um, if you don't write something down or if you don't write down what happened in that appointment, when I go back to check your notes, I can't I don't know if, if you've done that because you're work you're now working indirectly. And whilst obviously I documented everything, it really it struck a chord with me because I was like oh that's a good point actually and at that time and obviously being a student I only ever I only ever thought about that as a patient note perspective now I'm a trainer I now look at it from a broader picture and I'm like well actually that doesn't just apply to patient notes that applies to all elements of documentation that we've got um, and I think it's such a it's such a key thing for people to remember because that documentation is so vital in what we do and protecting the patient as well as protecting us as clinicians because in that way you know you can turn around and say well my staff member or my clinicians are trained to this level because it's documented here they've signed and dated that they've read this any policy changes have also been documented so not only does it apply within the clinic room from what you've said it obviously clearly applies outside of the clinic room as well yep absolutely and I think there's an assault, a lot of assumptions that are made in yes. practice. Um, and that's one of the things, again, that's been quite interesting when we've been doing assessments is um, for some services, you know, often they can be very small. You might only be a business of one or two yeah. hearing aid dispensers and you each know what you're meant to be doing. And we're yes. not taking that away from you. You know, definitely, you know what you're meant to be doing per se. But if it's, again, not written down, you really don't have a leg to stand on. You can't sort of uh, validate that actually you have followed what each other has said should be followed. Yes. Um, yeah. and, it, and it was highlighted quite clearly in some of our assessments. The evidence just wasn't there. And you, you just can't, without it being written down, you've got nothing really to sort of validate yeah. what you're doing moving forward and it doesn't allow you to make improvements either a big part of conformity assessment and around quality management is auditing your practice yeah and I think we all know roughly what audit means within sort of audiology you know we're looking at clinical audit predominantly you might have some outcome measures where you're looking at effectiveness of fitting your hearing aids uh, but actually, are you truly using the information uh, and doing root cause analysis where you're identifying things are yeah. not being done? Um, are you frequently reviewing and re-auditing where you should be making corrective actions? So having a proper audit cycle in place that allows you to be preventative and proactive is one of the real important things moving forward, I think, with quality management. Yeah. Um, certainly from what we've seen, and I think, you know, hand on heart, in my own clinical practice, I know we've been very reactive to things. And I think, especially at the moment, the nature of yes. things that have happened with the pandemic, you'll find a lot of services have had to react very quickly. And it's been interesting talking to some of my customers because actually they've said because they've been accredited and they have got good systems and good quality management in place, they've actually reacted really easily. And it's been very yeah. um, simple for them to put new practices and changes in place and to embed them and be able to audit that they're effective. And I think certainly with COVID moving forward now, changes in practice are going to be slightly more permanent in nature for some areas. We, we may see a lot more remote triaging of patients, a lot more remote elements of maybe tinnitus delivery and practice. So, um, you know, it's, it's certainly quality management is, is a huge part of maintaining an effective, competent and financially stable, viable business. I know that root cause analysis still makes me shudder. 
when I was uh, when I in the last department I worked in and we used to all every clinician would get given um, an audit topic that they would have to do and it was the first time I'd done a, a clinical audit and I remember doing a root cause analysis and I'm cowering away from my screen right now because it was a little bit scary but it was effective and it helped the department so obviously it has its it has its place and that's the most important thing I, I guess think it really does I mean I think one of the, just to sort of highlight on that point particularly we see a lot of services that will do an audit and they will identify non-conformities so find something that's gone wrong in their practice let's say yeah. um, they identify that patient consent wasn't taken in 50% yeah. of their staff members um, and actually the the problem is then they've not necessarily they'll do a sticking plaster effect so they'll go right okay we just need to send an email out and retrain people and th yes that might be the answer but actually you don't know until you do a root, true root cause and ask the wise wise yeah. wise um, it might not be that it might be that you haven't got the tools that are in place to do an effective consenting process so there's you know root cause analysis actually an audit I think one of the biggest things for services and for organisations to look at is to really get staff to understand how to do good audit and, and good proper root cause analysis but as you say it does make you shudder. <laughs> yeah it most definitely does make you shudder and in some respects when I remember when I did it it's kind of like resorting back to that childlike well why why didn't that happen and then you get an answer and it's well why again and you know as you grow up and I'm, I'm sure most people hopefully I know I've trying to do this less and less but as you grow up you don't ask the whys so much sometimes you just kind of accept what it is but when when I did a root cause analysis I was very much like but I need to know why that happened why did and, you do this and I think it does it stops you from being reactive it allows you to truly fix the problem so that you're not just putting a sticking plaster over and it's going to happen again in the future yeah um, so I think you know get into those root causes of a problem means that you can be innovative and, and effective in moving forward and and stop you having to then focus on that particular aspect longer term because hopefully you've rectified it and and it's correct moving forward you can only hope you can <laughs> yeah. only hope how have you found so obviously at the very beginning of this you said that you were an audiologist um how have you found going from the clinic room to now being an assessor yeah <laughs> it's interesting I get asked that a lot actually um, because I still take part in the technical assessing and still obviously yeah. keep up my, my CPD um, I thought it would be more difficult actually than than it was the, the reason I moved to the assessing side was as I say I wanted to help move nationally to get services to improve um, quality standards and to yeah. look at trying to get more um, consistency across practice um, I do miss the clinics and, it, and it's sometimes interesting when I'm sitting there watching and observing maybe a, a, a staff member. It's quite hard not to sometimes want to jump in and go, oh, oh yeah, have you I know that doing feeling. This way? In, the, in the way that you train people. Yeah. Um, so I do. I miss that side of it. Um, but again, from the assessing point, ours is not to uh, to question. We're there to, to look at, see whether yeah. you're following your processes. So there, there's parts where you have to bite your tongue. Uh, but actually, I, I enjoy what I do very much because we work in harmony with the customers yeah. and we're very much around trying to help them add value to their business. And I think through this job over the last six years now that I've been at UCAS, it's been extremely enlightening and empowering to see services that were maybe not at a point of 
um, good conformity assessment and good quality management to be sort of six years, nearly eight years down the line and really be in control of their systems. And I've been part of that. So I think I'm now helping helping patients more from a external level but by helping services to sort of move forward Um, and that's what the the process is about really. Yeah I remember when I took my job in training and um, I remember sitting down with my mum and saying you know I'm a little bit worried because I love being an audiologist I absolutely you know I know that this is the right career for me I love doing what I do I love being able to help people Um, and I was like I'm not really like this is unusual for me now I'm going as training but it sounds very similar to, to what you've said because effectively you've gone from helping the patient to now helping the clinician help the patient and you're still doing that that you're still doing that helping and that caring side of things it's just in a different ma- it's just in a different role which is how I kind of see myself in the training role so I wonder if does it feel the same for you when you're helping yeah, think- your customers I think certainly from that point of view, you're right. I think you also get to see a much more holistic view when you're in the moment with the patient. I mean, hand on heart, dealing with patients, we all make mistakes, don't we? You you never quite follow um, the the pathway that you maybe should do every time completely correctly. Um, But when you are training someone or when, like you say, you're observing someone else, you get to see that from an outside angle and help influence that and and think about your own practice as well. It's all about being self-critical. And I think that's the other thing with, you know, um, making sure that you've got good quality management in place. And, and that accreditation in itself helps is that you are constantly self-analyzing and doing gap analysis around yeah. your service provision. Um, and, and that's really incredibly important. You know, I don't know everything. I rely on my technical assessors as part of the assessment team to provide a lot of the, the clinical input as well. Um, and it's down to uh, that that sort of assessment team approach to make the sort of decisions that we do. Yeah. Uh, but regardless of, of accreditation or not for businesses, I think it's important as a director of the business, you want to know that you are delivering that quality service um, to those patients and that actually what you think is happening is happening. Um, yeah. And hand on heart, I've seen, you know, a lot of managers of services over the past quite surprised that we've identified things that they thought were happening yeah. that aren't happening so again it's until you benchmark till you know what you're you've done an audit you've done some monitoring to determine your levels of conformity to a particular system you've got no idea of what improvements you need to make yeah no I totally get that I mean it's definitely interesting to hear how you see things from the other side so you know as as the assessors going in what sort of things you look for and what sort of things um what sort of things are highlighted to you and and from what you said you definitely enjoy the job you do now i've asked every guest that we've had on the podcast um so far what their ideal job would be if they weren't doing this job and i guess it would only feel right to ask you that same question so if if you had if i said to you laura you could be any you could you could choose any profession or you could choose any career to go down what career path would you choose do you think Fair enough. Um, I'm definitely not going to be the prime minister at this time, believe me. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting because I, I love what I do and I do enjoy the, the quality management side. Yeah. But if I had to take a completely different tack, I, I would still be in healthcare no matter what. I, I think physiotherapy has always interests me. Um, okay. So one of the, the one of the other sort of therapies, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, um, but always working with patients and from that sort of patient perspective so I can't couldn't see myself certainly 
out in the the business world of uh, finance or anything like that. No. Definitely still with patients, patient care. So still in that still in that helping role then, by the sounds of it. And as an audiologist and as an as an assessor for UCAS, what one piece of advice would you give to mainly our trainees out there so whether you're a trainee HCA or a trainee HAD but also to our qualified clinicians mm-hmm. what one piece of advice would you want them to take away oh one piece of advice okay yeah. uh, I, I would say always be confident to question your peers um, so that you can constantly learn don't be afraid just because someone's been there longer than you don't be afraid to ask them why they're doing something it doesn't necessarily mean they're still doing it right yeah um, you, you, they're always learning um, and in along with that I know it's a sort of two-part answer but always be comfortable in working in your scope of competency I think there is an element of being pushed sometimes to cover areas of practice where we haven't necessarily got the skill set or being trained in that so for for sort of people coming into the area to look into making sure they stick to their scope of competency and be confident in that in questioning people. Okay that's a that's a very good piece of advice and I know that it was something that's probably that people particularly trainees would always struggle with when it comes to questioning other staff as to why they do something because it's you know if they're if they're if they're more senior than you or if they've been there longer than you it can it can be a little bit of a tricky topic to navigate um but i think that's a that's a very good little bit of advice that you've given to to our listeners out there okay well i think it's it just to sort of add a note to that it's certainly again throughout the assessments it's useful for services and for for all staff to involve all levels of staff in their reviews and their observations and their peer reviews because just as I say because we've been there longer term doesn't necessarily mean we've got that new practice some of the students coming through they're newly trained they've got all that new knowledge they're bursting to to explain and tell things so I think you know using all levels of staff within peer reviews and sort of observations and etc is a really good way of working. I think that's fantastic. And listening to what you'll be looking to present to us um, at our conference in a couple of weeks sounds very interesting. So I'm I'm really hoping that this little snippet of information will have um, got people engaged enough to to bookmark that session, um, to to attend that session and to listen to what you have to say. It's been great having you on the podcast today. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy diary to to catch up with me and to have a virtual cup of tea, although neither of us have actually got a cup of tea, I don't think. Um, oh, oh, I think Laura has. Laura has. I don't have a <laughs> it's cup empty, of tea. I feel, yeah. bit, <laughs> I feel a little bit left out now. But I do really appreciate you taking the time uh, to catch up to catch up with me today and uh, we look forward to seeing you at PAC in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Take care everyone.